There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show, March 1st, 2021. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson with you here on the podcast, brought to you by Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, evergreenstl.com. Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling, designairservice.com. Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson at Munganas, St. Louis Acura.com and AltonToyota.com. Jim Rogers at Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com and his new business. He's got two of them now American Environmental and James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency online at CarltonInsurance.net. Action Jackson, what's the good word? Oh, you know, it's all good up in this neighborhood. Warmer, getting warmer by every day. Are you feeling. Spring, springing? The, yeah, I mean, uh, whenever I go out to my car in the morning, it's about 5.15 a.m., and when I can go out there and, you know, be comfortable, I usually just wear a hoodie and sweatpants to work, so if I'm out there and comfortable in that, you know, not hustling to my car so I can escape the frigid temperatures of uh, the past few months, then I can really feel like spring is sprung. I guess I'll feel more like it. Uh, in a week or two when that time jumps and it'll be dark, uh, lighter later in the day, that's when it really feels like spring is... Uh, Isn't that the best? Uh, what time is the sun setting in St. Louis right now? Ballpark. Can you ballpark me on that? Yeah, right around f- six o'clock is when it starts to get like dark, dark. So okay. 5.50-ish, you really start to notice the sun going down. But, you know, a month ago it was 5.15 and it was almost completely dark. So yeah. It's a real black. You can just feel it. It's around 630 here. Mm -hmm. And then you push it back in two weeks or less than two weeks, I guess, probably. Yeah. 12 days would be my guess. Yep. Uh, And you're talking about the sun probably setting at that point as far as golf goes. Mm -hmm. Like 745. Yeah. Jack. I love those five o'clock rounds where you finish out. And even as it is right now, I go out there with my son and it's just us by ourselves anyway, as mm-hmm. it is now. And this was like 4 o'clock yesterday. This is 4 o'clock on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. to have that at 7 o'clock, and he loves it. Um, it's the best. It's the absolute best. But any parent knows what I'm talking about, and anybody in your age group, 22 or even 33 or 44 without kids, they don't want to hear it. So I understand, <laughs> and so I try, to, I try to minimize my enthusiasm of being a father. Um, just because I know eh, people don't really want to hear it. So I understand. Hey, uh, we are doing this uh, from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, Ryan Kelly. And uh, the Home Loan Expert has been the sponsor of our studio since we started the podcast. And we are, we're coming up on three and a half years of this thing. Mm. And uh, love doing it. Love the fact that it has gained traction. Kind of at a point where I'm even interested in doing just a few of these a week. Uh, since we won't be doing gambling ones, I get asked about the interview thing every week, every chance I get a chance to. Yes, we could do interviews over Zoom. No, I don't think they'd be very good. That's just my honest thing. Could I do them? Absolutely, I could do them. I, I, I think at this point people kind of understand um, 
that work ethic isn't really an issue here. If anything, I've got a problem with it, and I can't settle down and stop from doing more stuff. But I want it to be quality. And if you get a chance to do an interview with somebody, you want it to be good. And I just don't, it's not that it wouldn't be good. I just don't think it's as good if you're doing it over Zoom. So I think we might be approaching a point, Jackson, where I'll be back in studio whenever I come back in St. Louis uh-huh. and potentially being able to bring guests back on the podcast. Yeah. I think. What, what is the situation at the station as far as all of that goes right believe, now? March 1st, 2021. Yeah, I believe we got an email last week saying March 22nd. I want to say I could be off on that is the day where guests are back allowed in studio. I mean, Hoffman's back in studio now. Yeah. He was at home. Uh, so things are definitely trending uh, a lot better, you know, because we're coming up on a year pretty much of this pandemic and, oh, what a year it's been. But uh, hopefully if everything, you know, goes well, we could be in a, in a lot better shape here pretty soon. Yeah, I would love to be able to do I love doing the interviews. Mm-hmm. love doing the interviews. Love doing the interviews. So uh, perhaps that could be bought, brought back. I don't know if people's mindset will be, well, yeah, I'll come in. They might just be like, oh, I'll just do it over Zoom. And that's a different thing. And of yeah. course, I can ask. But um, I love doing those. And I just prefer them in person. I just feel like they're they're better. And I just don't want to, again, I use, I'm, I'm throwing air quotes around, even though no one can see it, waste an interview when I'm doing it over Zoom. Would it be fine? It'd be fine. But I don't, I don't want fine so anyway uh, i love doing the podcast and i'm grateful for all the questions that we get and uh and all the feedback we get and you're welcome to send yours share yours team mckernan at inside stl.com that also means we'd be able to do sound story in person again and i've done i don't know jackson i mean mclaughlin's doing a couple uh mm-hmm. he's done a couple he did one last week doug's done two or three mm-hmm. i've done i think close to 60 now mm-hmm. i would say 50 plus of those have been in person um, so if you're interested in Sound Story, go to mysoundstory.com. Dan McLaughlin's available. Doug Vaughn's available. I'm available. Chris Raby is available to do these interviews. Mysoundstory.com uh, for family members and uh, anything else you might be interested in having us conduct an interview for, for you to always have as an audio keepsake, an audio heirloom. I was talking about uh, Sound Story with some people at dinner over the weekend. And they they had never heard about it, and we're just like, oh my god, I love this. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done. It. Well, don't wish, just get it done, and you will always have it. The, one of the people I was talking with was saying, and you know, he's in his thirties now, but he said for a history project in his, you know, high school years, he interviewed his grandfather who um, I would imagine um, is no longer with us based on the way he was talking. And his grandfather had fought in World War II. And he's just like, I just did it on a little cassette, and I would do anything to be able to listen to all of my grandparents. I have all of that. You know, he happened to save it, and then they, they put it on a CD, so now the whole family has it, and the voice is still there, the stories are still there. That's what Sound Story is. And, um, you know, I was telling them about the price point. The price point is $500 for the record. Uh, they're like, I th- would think that that people would spend way more than I said. Yeah, I, I mean, they may. I don't know. I, It's about, you know, it's about doing, you know, something that isn't cutting people out. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to cast as wide a net as possible, and then perhaps when we, you know, um, grow this thing, 
um, you know, giving different price points to cast an even wider net. So anyway, Sound Story online at mysoundstory.com, especially if we are going to be able to start doing them in studio. We're not at that point. You're welcome to email me asking. I wouldn't have an answer just yet. But uh, if you know, I would imagine in May that would be in play. So um, it's uh, mysoundstory.com. The Home Loan Expert, Ryan Kelly, uh, is our studio sponsor. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. If you're refinancing, if you want to get um, pre-qualified, go to thehomeloanexpert.com. Within, it's, it's so quick. It's so easy. It saves you money. And then if you're buying a home, I was reading something over the weekend, Jackson, and they can't keep up as far as inventory goes because houses are moving so quickly. Um, it's, it's a great thing. If you're selling mm-hmm. your home, if you're buying a home, you are in a really tough spot competing. And if you are pre-qualified with thehomeloanexpert.com, you have just put yourself in a much better spot. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And I was talking about Jim Rogers of Restoration 1 of Central St. Louis. Uh, acquiring a new business. That new business is American Environmental, 314-664-2800. He's been working with American Environmental for years at Restoration One. Guess what? He was so impressed with the operation, he decided to buy it. According to the EPA, Americans on average spend approximately 90% of their time indoors where the concentrations of some pollutants are often two to five times higher than typical outdoor concentrations. Some pollutants and sources include asbestos, biological pollutants such as mold, carbon dioxide, lead, radon, dust, volatile organic compounds emitted from such things as household cleaners, air fresheners, aerosols, and paints, to name a few. Well, look no further. American Environmental is the company to analyze the quality of air in your home. They've been testing indoor air quality for over 25 years. And you can reach their knowledgeable staff at 314-664-2800. That's 314-664-2800, American Environmental. And if you are in the market to buy a car, to lease a car, we would like to recommend Munganast, the official automotive provider of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson at stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com have these specials going right now. A 2021 RDX SUV all-wheel drive, zero down, 374 a month. That's a 36-month lease. You get 12,000 miles per year. Toyota 2021 RAV4 SUV all-wheel drive, 329 a month, zero down, 36-month lease, 12,000 miles per year, plus all tax, title, and license. Uh, those are not included. And or 0% financing for 60-month with approved credit. It's altontoyota.com, stlouisacura.com. With a great pre-owned selection as well. You can shop online so you don't need to go into the store. They'll deliver the car to you. It is AltonToyota.com and StLouisAcura.com. Action Jackson, it's time to dig in. Let's do it. Good morning, Tim. What literature or program would you recommend for someone who is looking to get serious about nutrition and eating clean? Also, would you still recommend Bigger, Leaner, Stronger as a conditioning program following your shoulder injury? For some background, I'm 38 years old and I'm looking to start taking eating and exercising more seriously. I've plateaued at this age when I used to be able to eat anything, burn it off with ease, and stay less than heavy. Any feedback would be greatly appreciated as I'm trying to avoid becoming one of the fats. Thanks. That (laughs) comes from Matt. Action Jackson, I used to recommend, I started this in 2016, and I would imagine it came to a crashing end in September of 2019, and honestly, I really regret the recommendation, Um, and that is Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, which is a book written um, by a guy named Mike Matthews, 
my my experience is you know the torn uh, shoulder labrum in my left shoulder slap tear is the official diagnosis um, and I got it from from lifting now that is in part on me I want to make this clear my you know, I, I, I felt it and I'm just like, oh, I got to get through the pain. That's part of the deal. You know, one of those things. Mm-hmm. First off, it happened when I was 42 or 3, 42, I guess. So that's one issue. So bigger, leaner, stronger might be better geared towards 20 and 30 somethings. Uh, and then secondarily, what am I lifting like that for? And what do you mean like that? The recommendation of the program is essentially you're lifting at least three days a week. I was doing five days a week, um, four to five days a week, and it was high weight, low rep. And at this point, for me, I should be high rep, low weight. And I cannot tell you how much it bothers me that I did that because it was dumb. And what was I working toward? You know, I mean, what are you, what are you doing in your 40s doing that stuff? And that's just, it, it really bothers me. That's essentially the program. There's a lot more to it. I enjoyed the read. When I started doing it, I guess at 39, I saw immediate results. Um, not taking anything, of course. I mean, I guess I say, of course, but who knows? I guess people, you know, get into some of that stuff. But um, not taking any immediate results. Loved it. But I recall with what I was squatting and deadlifting and really not having squatted and deadlifted a lot in my life that I'm thinking to myself, man, this is this is kind of high, you know, high weight for for me and a one false move and we're going to have an injury. And I do remember and this is might have been when I tore my shoulder labrum like you're you're holding up a flat bench dumbbell press God, just even doing it now I can feel a little bit and I was getting to the point, which for me is a lot, considering I weigh a buck sixty, um, of like eighty-five in each hand, and you know, pressing that six times. And if you have a false move, or you're, as you're lifting it, you kind of lean to the side, and, you, and it's an, it, and it would happen every once in a while. And so that's on me, and that's just dumb. But you want to continue to progress. That's kind of the, and at some point, you're getting to a point where you can't progress anymore. And it's just risky. So mm-hmm. my, I don't know how many times over the last year and a half since the shoulder thing, my wife has said, I wish like hell you would have never read that book. But I want to make this clear because it, it makes it sound like I'm attacking him or the book, and that's not what I'm doing at all. I'm responsible, me 100%. I think the book is very helpful, especially if you're in your 20s or 30s. But at my point, it's like, what do I do? I golf and I just you know want to stay in shape. I'm not looking to like get ripped. I don't know who really is in their 40s or 50s. I guess some people are, but that's that was to me the core issue, and I just didn't handle it responsibly. So no, I would not recommend it any longer. And the fact that I did recommend it, I feel badly about that. Um, but it wasn't like I was recommending something knowing it was bad. I don't think it's bad. It wasn't right for me at that point, and it just I think I think it's the proverbial juice isn't worth the squeeze. Mm-hmm. As far as a book goes, I don't have a book, and I don't really even know about. I don't. I'm not. I don't eat clean. So if uh, someone is under the impression that I do, that's not accurate. I just track everything. I wear a Whoop band, so I track my calorie output every day. Um, I'll run three times a week, not very far, not very intensely, just like two and a half miles, uh, three times a week, um, and and I play golf. That's that's what I do. 
Um, I think I will probably get the slap tear repaired, but if and if I do, and then go back to and that's that would mean surgery, and then I would go back to lifting, but I would lift light, higher up. That's what I would do. Right now, I went to an Orange Theory class um, with my wife just for the hell of it, like a month and a half ago. And I guess you're doing rowing as part of the one of the stations. And for my shoulder, the next couple of days, it it didn't kill. It just was noticeably hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, this is so sad because this is such a, again, it depends. Orange theory is kind of what you put into it, but it's not a difficult workout. And for that to like eat me up that bad and then to feel it for a couple of days, even though I wasn't even like really lifting hard, mm-hmm. it was uh, very disappointing. So my recommendations um, would be not to follow the protocol of bigger, leaner, stronger, unless you're in your 20s and 30s and you really want to put on muscle mass. If that's the case, then it's outstanding. My fitness pal, track everything that you eat and drink. Cannot say enough to, to be drinking empty calories. Is just That's where so many people, I think, get caught up with putting on weight. Um, then I use Whoop, but I guess you could use what an Apple Watch. What mm-hmm. else is there, Action Jackson? Am I Fitbit. missing something that's obvious? Fitbit. Fitbit, yeah. Um, and I just track it, you know. So um, that's what I – so yesterday I burned 2,811 calories. I ran a couple miles. I hit balls at the range. I played nine holes, got good sleep. Um, and that's what that tracks, your sleep and your calories expand uh, expended. And um, I usually eat – I track this stuff. It's nuts. You should see the spreadsheet. It's <laughs> It's insanity. About 2,000 calories per day, give or take. I think this past month it might have been a little less than that. And I usually eat about a gram of protein for what I weigh, which is 160 pounds. This past month I think I was like at 140, so it was a little less. But uh, that's what I do. Action Jackson, what about you? So during COVID, I try to stay away from the gym just because of my paranoia. Um, so I do a lot of body weight stuff, you know, push-ups, sit-ups. Uh, I do a ton of stretching. That's what I may, it's like my main thing. It's like not meditation, but it's a form of that because I just relax and focus on breathing in my body, which is really, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's part of my favorite part of the day. It's also very helpful for golf. If you're constantly limber, it's just better. You feel better when you're limber. When you're stiff, it's just, I, I hate being stiff. So I'm stretching a lot. And then I run, I should, probably should be running more. My favorite way to get cardio has always been playing pickup basketball. That's my number one way to like. That's a great play because you're enjoying it, but you're burning calories. Exactly. And you're getting a good cardio workout. And, you know, I would go, at, when I was in college at Mizzou, I would go up to the rec play three, four hours of pickup basketball. I mean, I, I couldn't burn more calories than that's the, and it was a ton of fun. You don't even notice it. It's just a, it's the best way that I thought to do it. But during COVID, it's tough. I did over the summer, we'd play at the park and that was one thing, but just running is, I do it because like, I, I feel it's good for me. I don't really enjoy it at all. I'll put a podcast on and if it's a good podcast, then I'll enjoy it. But other than that, uh, I, sh- I should be doing more cardio. But now that it's warmer, I will. And then come golf season, I like to walk whenever I get the chance to the golf course. That's a good way to get some cardio in and just uh, it feels better to walk. In high school, that's the only option to walk. So I'm used to it and I enjoy it. 
Um, yeah, Matt, my uh, recommendation is to track it. I think by tracking it, it it forces you to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. That, to me, is a big part of it. So whether it be Fitbit, Apple Watch, you know, Whoop Band, whatever, that's that's a big thing. And then enter in what you ate on MyFitnessPal. And I think I have every day. Again, this is part of me being truly, you know, fucked up. I think I can probably see it somewhere, like how many days in a row I've logged in. I mean, I think it goes back to 2017 or so. Let's see what we got. Streak, 1,722 days. Jesus. <laughs> Even on Christmas, you're entering in what you ate. Oh yeah, I don't. I mean, that's you know, I'm a I'm a heathen. You know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, in the lifting weights. The lifting weight. I just I can't even begin to t- just. I mean, I've talked about it plenty. I, I, some, I think I talked about it last week with the slap tear, but uh, just how much I regret that. Just just stupid. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell my wife because she works out hard, man. And I'm just like, you gotta curtail it because you're going to get hurt and then you're, and, and nobody thinks it's going to happen to them if they've never had it but it's just the way the process works at some point and that was my wake up call and the fact that I got to 42, 43 without it happening and considering what I was lifting I'm almost, I don't know the shoulder is such a bad one to get injured but considering squats and deadlifts and what I was doing there that, that, that could have been like more serious yeah. with the weight I was doing again for my size I mean for somebody who's like a normal sized American male it wouldn't have been a big deal but uh, yeah it was, uh, it, was, it was just irresponsible there's no other way to describe it and I really, it, I really kicked myself for doing it um, and I tell her you're just going to have to you can't do this you can't keep doing this stuff you're going to get hurt it's going to happen and then it's going to be a surgery or something like that so really the thing is, I think, the bigger thing is eating. Yeah. But I'm not saying it's an all or nothing. It's just a tracking. And so that's why I, I put it in every day and I average it out and, you know, I see where I am. And uh, that's a good number for me. Uh, all right. Next question. Tim, kind of random, but sitting around on a Sunday watching golf and was wondering how often one may run into alligators on a golf course down in Florida. Love the show. It's Greg and Webster Groves. Uh, at this point, we, you know, I was talking about on the radio show, uh, Brett Groman, Matt Ford, and their wives um, were down in uh, Jupiter here this past weekend uh, from Stratum Structural Systems. And we played, um, and I'm so used to seeing alligators now mm-hmm. that I don't even think about it. Yeah. But... Um, if you are not used to them, I think that you are under the impression that if they see you, they are going to come at you. And in reality, you know, I mean, I, I, I occasionally post them on Instagram, um, especially the one of the alligator eating the monster yeah, tilapia. fucking nuts. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, just like right in front of the 8T, I was teeing off. And I'm like, okay, I'm so used to it. And then we drove by it, and I had my son and my father-in-law with me, and you know, didn't even really think anything of it, and to see them on the course, and these are monsters too. Now yeah. you'll see little ones, but these are monsters. These are monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're used to it, so and you recognize kind of at least you think what the deal is. You just stay away, and they're not going to come charging at you. I say that, um, you know, as if I'm a seasoned veteran of it but I mean at this point now it doesn't freak me out you see them you know to stay away you know if one's over on this side of the body of water and you hit that ball over there then you're not going to mess with it 
Um, so, yes, I mean, at least in this area, um, I don't know about northern Florida. I don't know about the Gulf side as much. Gulf side has them. They, I'm sure they do. Big time. Here it's just commonplace. Like, I'm, you know, I take my son out fishing, still have yet to catch a fish. It's, a, it's, <laughs> it's pathetic. Um, and we were in a place where I didn't think there was any. It's the place where I saw Bryce Harper fishing a couple years ago. Um and I'm like, I, those are eyes popping out. I can't tell if it's a just a turtle or is that an alligator. Um, so just got to be careful for it. But the ones in this golf course where I'm playing are, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're little ones too, but they are monsters, monsters. I mean, monsters. And uh, and yeah, I guess you just kind of get used to it but it's it, it it certainly wasn't something like the first time i saw one like oh my god there's an alligator like even if i'm driving by and i see what oh my god there's an alligator now it can be 15 yards to my left and i'm teeing off and you're kind of like yeah it's not going to really do anything yeah you think you tell yourself that yeah. i don't know if it's accurate but that's uh what i tell myself jackson we have one specific for you here i guess Hell it's a yeah. two-parter Sweet. Jackson, I've heard you mention before that you are interested in team uniforms and different combinations teams wear. Yep. I have two questions for you. Number one, what are your favorite current uniform combinations in each of the major sports? Personally, I like the Saints all-whites, Cardinals away uniforms with blue hats, New York Rangers home blue uniforms, and all the Bulls all-red jerseys. Number two, what is your opinion on the slow integration of company logos on jerseys, and do you think we'll get to the point where sponsors take over the jersey, similar to European soccer? Thanks, that comes from Scotch. God, that's a good question, Scotch. Yeah, I like the question, too. All right, Big so, fan of Uniform Talk. Love Uniform Talk. So I love that Saints play, that Saints. I'm going to go Saints all black, though. I, oh, think, I like the Saints all white. I like I that you. play that he suggested, and I would have never thought it. Yeah, I love that Saints All Black with the gold dome. That's a I love that look. That's probably my favorite for football. For basketball, I really like um, Phoenix has a, a great uniform set. I really like Phoenix's, but I think I'm going to go with the Lakers white uniforms. They rarely wear them, but the Lakers white uniform is beautiful. I'm going to go Lakers whites for basketball. For baseball, Pittsburgh's home uniforms. I love Pittsburgh's home uniforms with the with the black P hat. That's money. And uh, for hockey, I'm gonna go with the Rangers white uniforms. I think those are real. The ones that with the diagonal Rangers on them. That's a sweet look. What are your thoughts on the Missouri uniforms and the Cardinal Road uniforms with the red hat, which, as you know, is a source of great consternation on the Ryan Kelly morning after? Super anti-red hat Cardinal logo. Okay. Red hat Same on the road. There. It's for me. I don't know what the hell they're doing with that. Love Mizzou football. I love Mizzou football uniforms. I get that's probably a generational thing between me and Doug is... Doug likes the classics. I like the the all white ones with the white helmet is so Doug's, Doug's hatred of the Missouri uniforms is universal though crosses generations. Yeah, that's fair. But uh the white that's they call them the stormtrooper look, I think is like amazing. I think that's so sweet. And like there's a joke about the recruits and I really doubt it actually brings in recruits, but it doesn't hurt. Like it definitely doesn't hurt, you know what I'm saying? So um I think that they're sweet. I, the, I love that uh, Eli Drinkwitz would block M a lot this year. I think that's a great move. I think that's a great look. I love the block M. I don't care if people think that Michigan's 
it's not. It's in black and gold, not navy, and I think they call it maize. Um, but as far as corporate sponsors, I think the NBA has done it right. Just the little logo on the top right corner of the jersey, it doesn't overpower it. And I, I don't really buy into the slippery slope that it'll take over the uniform. I think we got a long way to go before that ever happens. I think that's happening. I do think that's I don't know. You say a long way. I'll agree with you there. But I think within a decade, you will see it. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see it. Uh, for the NBA, I'm also going to throw in the Celtics white uniforms. Those are also very sweet. That's a nice play. Yeah. The Missouri uniforms they wore when they beat Kansas in Armageddon to Arrowhead, my personal favorite. It's a black helmet. I don't really care about the block M, but it was a block M, uh, white jersey, yellow pants. Mm-hmm. That that's uh, And they'll pop up sometimes in my feed because I have a bunch of pictures from that game. We had a photographer we hired for it. I expect those are just, for me, perfect. I think with the recruiting thing, that that the root of that is – if you're in a spot where you ha- like like a player is going to make his decision based on uniforms, yeah, is I mean, first off, is that really real? <laughs> Has it ever happened? And you can say, well, that's not the kind of player you want. If the player can play, yeah. <laughs> I think that's sure. the root. That's that's what that's what matters. Like I, just, I, I reject I reject the idea that a person will decide what school to attend and coach to play for and where to live based on all things being equal, the uniform will be the tiebreaker. But I think it's a justification for making the money. And, you know, right now you have to apologize for wanting to make money, I guess. So <laughs> uh, that's that's what I really think is uh, it's kind of obvious is what's going on there. Um, the, the Cardinal thing with the red hat, I don't get it. I really don't. Yeah. Um, because, again, it, was, it, it wasn't taken to – that also seems to be a generational thing. I think older fans like the red hat – the Cardinals have this incredible uniform. Oh, yeah. Um, Great uniform. You know, I mean, I, that's – I realize it's super subjective, and I'm a 44-year-old man breaking down what 20-something-year-old men are wearing to play a game. So we have to, you know, properly compartmentalize this discussion is <laughs> ludicrous. But nonetheless, the, the Cardinal uniform is a classic, and especially the home uniform – the road uniform now looks like what the Angels and the Phillies and the Reds wear with the red hat. I was wondering if the compromise could be the blue hat with a red bill. Um, I like the Sunday hat. Yeah, I hate the Sunday hat, though. With I don't the like the logo. Yellow. I, I don't hate like that, that logo. I'm surprised it's lasted as long as it has. I don't know. I mean, if, like, if, you, want, if you have one other revenue stream that you can go that route, I just, for the life of me, I don't, I don't get it. It's so just... It's such a blah uniform for an organization with Bill DeWitt III who acknowledges he takes the uniforms really seriously. And I'm just surprised that they got away from, you know, it was a classic uniform on the road to this thing that's just like a step back just by one just blah change. And on top of it, it's it's not a revenue move because it's the hat that they're wearing at home. Yeah, exactly. And I remember talking I, either on the podcast or on the radio show, and he goes, well, it's the Cardinals, and we should be red. And it's like, okay, but I mean, the Red Sox are the Red Sox, but they have Navy, you know, yeah, all exactly. over the place. I don't, I don't, I just, it, in the whole scheme of things, it doesn't really bother me. It's, but it, I don't, I don't get it. And aesthetically, I know that they said, okay, we'll let the fans choose, and the fans voted for the blue hats, and then they still went with the red hats unless they're playing at a team that's wearing a red home cap. So I guess Natitude, Phillies, 
Reds and then perhaps the Rangers and Angels, I guess. I don't know if I'm missing somebody. Um, so, uh, but yeah, good, good uniform uh, breakdown, Action Jackson. I'm, I'm glad that you're uh, super into the uniform <laughs> thing. Thank you. Um, let's see, Tim, I watched the Britney doc. I had similar thought. Did I talk about the Britney document? I know I talked about it on TMA. Did, I, did we talk about it on this podcast? Nope. Because we're starting to get to a point where we're getting people listening to the podcast who don't listen to TMA. Nice. Um, so the Britney Spears documentary, um, I really liked it. Now, New Rules with Bill Maher, he mocked the fact that the New York Times produced it just because it's kind of like, I guess he would think that he's they're kind of punching down, so to speak, that they're covering Britney Spears. But if you watch the documentary... While it's absolutely about Britney Spears, to me it's more about media coverage of celebrities mm-hmm. and bullying and using the story of Britney Spears as a commentary on really, I think, how far we've come in a decade. Um, because some of the stuff that was going on in like the late aughts would never go on now. And I think that's a great thing, whereas I reject political correctness. Um, I realize, though, I think a lot of things that are, you know, would be would fall under the guise of racism or uh, homophobic or take your pick of whatever uh, or now oh it's cancel culture and oh that's race you know or it's political correctness I'm talking about like doing somebody harm and then well that's political correctness run amok so this this was really something else I it's a major recommendation on watching it and that's what um that's what this gentleman is citing. Uh, I had similar thoughts that you had, particularly the complete disbelief that in the not-so-distant past, we were laughing about things as a society such as mental health struggles. It would not happen now, which leads me to my question. What behaviors do you think we as a society see on a consistent basis today that five to ten years from now we will look back on and think, what the fuck were we thinking Stay warm and unrelatable down in Florida. Hope you know I'm kidding. It's Britney, bitch, Mr. Slave. I think... Action Jackson, Virgin Pringles, Hoss Boss. Mm -hmm. I think that in five years, we will look back on this time period of asinine apologies and people having to go into hiding or being, quote-unquote, canceled as an asinine time period. I actually think it will stop and revert. And I know that probably is counterintuitive to what people would think, but that's what I think is going to happen. I think it has gotten... You have Justin Timberlake. This is one of the new rules things. That's how Bill Maher got into the Britney Spears thing. Justin Timberlake apologizing 18 years after the fact for the way he handled the breakup with Britney Spears and acknowledging on the radio in an interview that he slept with her. Um, I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. what the fuck? I mean, what is it's? And and, he, and I mean, it really. I was I was thinking about having you pull that audio. For, did you see it? Do you even know what I'm talking about? I'm the talking Britney about documentary. Like everybody knows what I'm talking about, and I would imagine maybe like five percent of the people listening to this even know what I'm talking about. Uh, the new rules from this past uh, Friday. Oh, I'm Bill Maher. No, I did not see that. It, it, but it, I, I have a feeling somehow, even though it wouldn't, it just would have gotten into. It could have gone gone down, you know, a road I didn't want it to go. Even though I think Doug would have agreed with it wholeheartedly. That's the thing, and th- th- that's what I, Mar said. Is 
I'm having to align with people I don't really want to be aligned with, but I have to say what I really think, which is this is absurd. Mm-hmm. And I will take a step back and t- t- look at it from this perspective. I think a lot of people who voted Republican would actually vote Democrat if a portion of the Democratic Party wouldn't adhere its principles to things that like a sliver of the population has any interest in. Mm -hmm. And they'll fight to the death on some things that in the whole scheme of things, you know, people really do debate or it's not a universal truth and it's just ridiculous what's going on. But then if you do go, hey, isn't this kind of nuts? Well, what are you, misogynist? What are you, racist? And I think people who aren't racist are tired of being told they're racist if they don't say and do certain things. Mm-hmm. And they go, hold on a second. I'm, I know, I know. Now, I realize not everybody else can know, but I know I'm not a bigot. I know I loathe bigotry. I know I hate it. I know if I'm around somebody and they drop an N-bomb or they say something that's just, you know, flat out ignorant, that it irritates me. But at the same time, I'm not like typing for keywords in social media to try to, you know, scorn people who are, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. and does that mean because 15 years ago I didn't, you know, like what was the example he put, you know, somebody went to like a, I don't even know what the example was, but something from a dorm room in 1990 and you didn't fight the person then in that moment. And now you should be canceled because you were therefore complicit. I mean, it's, it is. I mean, it, it's it, it's just it's something else, mm-hmm. and it's and 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 and, it, and how quickly it has happened over the last, God, I don't even know two years. I feel like it's yeah. it's I, I so I think I think and I hope that in five years we will look back at this and go, that was a. Remember Justin Timberlake's apology? Remember Chris Harrison being removed from The Bachelor? And, you know, I mean, all of the take your pick of whatever thing. And going, wow, what in the world? Because I think, now again, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, and I know I will, I'll get emails, which is fine. I, I don't want people just to email me just if they agree. I don't want that. Um, and sometimes it's nuanced. Um, I recall, you know, getting some good nuance, like a lot of support for what I said in the podcast following the January 6th Capitol insurrection. And then Hoss said, I just don't want to talk about politics on TMA anymore. And a lot of people said, well, you got to realize some of the people are emailing you, they might not necessarily be all there or all right, or you're letting people win if you're not going to talk about it. Well, I'm, I'm going to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. I don't think it's good to talk about it on the radio show. Um, but with with regards to these things they they can be nuanced but i think at the root of it i think what started out as something in the civil rights movement and then perhaps in the 70s and perhaps in the 80s was well we have people who are in positions of power who are actually bigots or they're practicing racial discrimination and we cannot have those people in power I get that. I get that. I understand that. That makes sense. That makes sense. But now it's like we are, it's, it's essentially McCarthyism mm-hmm. applied to racism. And you, you're like looking for things. You're looking for things. And even something that could be a misspeak 
or benign or somebody who spoke accidentally from a position of, oh, I didn't even know that, then has forced to go on the apology tour. And then the apology tour never worked. By the way, then people sit there and they sit in judgment of the apology. And it's never good enough. It's never good enough. But the companies feel like they have to act and fire the people or suspend the people. And then the person who said it then has to do the apology thing. And why, as Marr said, because it's the easy thing to do. It's the, it's the path of least resistance. And then we can go back to whatever bullshit is going on. But for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, we'll sit in judgment and feel better about ourselves as we hold this person accountable because he or she is just a little bit more racist than everybody else is. When in reality, they're speaking off the cuff and said something. It's like, why ever do an interview? Why ever tweet? You can destroy your career. <laughs> yeah. No For real. Upside. I was listening to who? Oh, Joe Buck and uh, Oliver Hudson, their podcast. And I was just, as I was running, I was listening to an interview with Adam Carolla. And Joe was talking about all the shit he was getting from his recent interview on Colin Coward's podcast, where he talked about how he had a, like, like a glass of beer or tequila or something in there. And. And then it turned into Joe and Troy are drinking during the game. And the reason he has it in there is to remind himself that he's calling a game and to have fun because otherwise he gets too down on himself and takes things too seriously. Well, what happens? A producer then tweets that out because the goal is to get people to listen to it. And then people listen to the actual soundbite and hear that's not what he said. And it's all part of the game. I don't want to participate in that. I'm not interested in it. I've said it a bunch of times on this podcast. If that is the game, I am not interested in playing it. I will go do something else because it's dishonest. It's disingenuous. And it's at the, it's at, it's at the pain of other people. You know, if I want to sit here and say shit that people may disagree with, then fine, then I'll deal with the consequences. But if I had Joe on... And he said that on, and I said, hey, Jackson, make sure you tweet that out and, you know, make sure you get it to TMZ and get it to Fox Sports, or whatever. Be like, I know what I'm doing. It's, it's, and it's to what? Get like, you know, 5,000 more people to listen to the podcast? That's just, it's just, it's just not the game, man. It's just not the, it's, well, I mean, it is the game, but it's not a game I'm interested in playing. Mm-hmm. And so my hope is, and I, it's a passionate hope that this stuff is over in five less than five years. Because here's the problem. Here is the core problem. It's a twofold core problem. You don't know what's right or wrong anymore. You don't know what's right or wrong anymore. And then secondarily, I think you have a number of people who otherwise would go, yeah, I can't, I can't get on board with this individual who is running for this office, clearly. But at the same time, if I vote against him or her, then I am voting with the people who are canceling people or on social. And then they, they it's kind of an either or. And I, it, I think it leads to these cults of personality uh, that we are seeing advancing. And it's not just limited to politics. And I sit in awe of that. I've talked about that a couple weeks ago. You know, just cults of personality using the same tactics no accountability, bullshitting, bullying, manipulating, saying stupid crap, but then getting support on social media, and then people are scared to go up against the cults of personality. Uh, it's a phenomenon. Want no part of it. Want no part of it. Um, so I hope that we will look back on this era and say that was a horrible time in American history as far as communications go. 
as far as communications go. I think with regards to the Britney Spears thing, it's a commentary on the way that we uh, or many people treated uh, mental health with this communication. Because social media isn't going away, but as far as um, this, I mean, you just, I just, you see this shit, and it's just unbelievable. Um, and, then, and But then if you call attention to it, it's like, oh, well, hold on a second. Are you supporting racism? Are you supporting misogyny? Are you anti-woman? Are you, I mean, it's like, what the fuck? No, I'm anti-discrimination, period. That's actually what I am. That's where I am. Not really the hottest of take, by the way, <laughs> you know, yeah. but that's where I am. So it wasn't cool when people were shitting on black people whenever it was, whether it be last week or 50 years ago. And it's not cool to shit on white people now. It doesn't it, it don't go now. Here's your come up. It's not the way that it works. Does that make me a bigot? If it does. OK, I'll go away. I'll try to get my handicap lower. That's fine. I don't really think it's a hot take. The problem is the target of what's right or wrong is moving. And by the way, I might have already done something 25 years ago that should get me canceled now. Who fucking knew? I was 18. But oh, well, I guess I'm out. It's messed up, man. It's so messed up. And I think almost everyone thinks it. But as Mar said, it's easier to just kind of go along with it and hope somebody else fights the battle. Somebody else will be our Kurt Flood. So that's a question, uh, Mr. Slave. <laughs> it's Brittany <laughs> Bitch, Mr. Slave. Uh, loyal texter and email over the Ryan Kelly morning after, Mr. Slave, that, uh, that that's the one that, um, that stands out to me. That this is, because it's so obvious that this is wrong. Mm -hmm. it's so, and I think, I think people know it. The Britney Spears thing, when that was going on, I was like tired by it. Um, as far as like the late night jokes, but I didn't think I didn't I take I I have to have culpability on it. I would imagine we joked about it on the show. I don't know because again I thought it was kind of tired, so I don't know if we necessarily would have, but maybe we would have. Um, and you look back on you're like wow that's a mental health thing, and that's. And then you look back on it now, and you go, "That's that was obviously a mental health thing." So, um, that's a that's a different thing than than the Twitter thing. Action Jackson, do you have one? Uh, I do agree with you on the. Uh, then five years we'll look back, and this will be. You really think so? Because I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm really thinking it or really just hoping it. Yeah, uh, I've, I was given this analogy by someone I can't remember who told it to me, but it's it holds a lot of water. When there's an issue that's so leaning to one side, I, you imagine it as sand in a shoebox. When you dip, it's been, you know, so for many, many years, it was cool to say whatever you want with no repercussion. So all the sand was on one side. To correct it, if you just hold the box straight like normal, the sand's still going to be on one side. But you have to tip it over to the other side, an overcorrection, you may say, yeah. to get the sand over. But eventually that sand will balance out and it'll all come square. It'll all be normal. So we have to go through this time of overcorrection to get back to that balance or to get to balance in general because we probably were never at that balance. So the sand was on one side. We have to tip it over all the way, which is what we're going through now with cancel culture. And you have to watch every word you say. And then probably in about five years, it'll balance out. That's the yeah. way I always look at it. Um, but I think prioritizing mental health is is great i think that you know where we are now with that is so much better than you know when Brittany, you know 15 years ago when she was going through it is you know if she were to go through it now it'd be a whole different game um 
And I, I really think that's important because mental health affects, a, I mean, almost every person goes through some sort of anxiety or paranoia or even slight depression. So prioritizing that and, and understanding people's plight is, uh, I think, really, really important. And I'm glad we're at a time in our culture where that is a, a priority. Um, before we go to more questions, let me tell our wonderful audience about the sponsors who make this wonderful podcast possible, and that is Design Air Heating and Cooling. Great Seth Goldcamp has this offer. Restaurant and bar, casino, hotel, and airline employees are eligible for the hospitality worker rebate at Design Air Heating and Cooling. That is a free furnace tune-up to hospitality workers. All these employees can receive a free furnace tune-up or $400 off a new furnace installation. No strings attached, no purchase necessary. Design Air just wants to thank hospitality workers for their sacrifice. To schedule your free tune-up or to get more information about the rebate, please visit designairservice.com. I am a client. Jackson's parents are a client as well. It's Design Air, heating and cooling online at designairservice.com. If you are in the market for a financial advisor, I would like to recommend Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, yet another fine person who I know personally and who I have sent people to personally because I think so highly of him. He's online at evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. Producer Joe got on board with him, and now I've had a couple of other friends here in the last two weeks email me, and they have reached out and talked about how great of an experience they've had. I had somebody in the financial industry reach out, text me, and talk about how great of a guy he is. Just a person who is wanting to help everyday people every day. You need a financial advisor. Let Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies be that financial advisor for you. Mark Hanna, evergreenstl.com. That's Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And James Carlton at the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton. State Farm. If you're buying a home, if you're getting married, or if you have a growing family, make sure your loved ones will be okay if you don't make it home. Call James at 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net to see just how inexpensive it is to protect your family through term life insurance. I switched to James. They did all the paperwork for me. Couldn't have made it any easier. It's James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency in Webster Groves. He has a growing staff, and that's because they have a growing business, and that's because they run an outstanding business. James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Hey, Tim, starting off, I just want to say how much I loathe Jackson. Oh, I like this. (laughs) Hell yes. Let's go. So what if he puts in extra effort and does his job diligently? That's just going to raise the bar for everyone else, and that's not good for anyone. Slow down, he's saying. Following up on your question about why people hate you, we got a couple of uh, those answers last week, Jackson, yep. or at least theories. Uh, do you have specific recent events that you'd feel comfortable sharing that lead you to draw that conclusion? With all due respect from the outside looking in, I just don't see it. But of course, I'm not in your shoes, so how would I really know? While I'm sure there are jealous people who hate listen or those that want to stir up shit, I'd expect that, that to be normal for a popular show. But you seem to think that there is more to it and that misinformation about you persists with a segment of the audience, and I wonder why you think that. You've clarified in multiple forums, email, fan page, the show, the podcast, etc., your current role on the show and how that may or may not differ from the past. By now, if there really are those who don't understand your role, then they are either living under a rock or just not listening. 
I will say that I've always thought of the things like Iggy's lemonading to just be show shtick, but maybe things like this, running point and having and the audience having direct direct communication methods with you via email or the fan page play into things. I don't ever remember Doug or the cat giving out their email addresses and asking the audience to engage with them, but of course, this is really none of my business, and I don't really know anything anyway. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, again, I'm enjoying the show. That's from Not Caller Adam. P.S. Just kidding about Jackson. He's doing a great job. I appreciate his fresh perspective on things. Keep it up. So, Jackson, we thought we had hate mail, but Damn alas, uh, pitch out. <laughs> Nobody going. So, to elaborate on it, um, I will get emails, DMs. Um, I don't really know which one I would say more of. The DMs are from burners. The emails, I think, are actually from, in some cases, um, actual real email addresses. Um, not all. And the way I would describe it is hate listening. Um, but hate listening is one thing. It's, it's, it's obsession. That's, that's the best way I could describe it obsession scary obsession um i talk about why do i talk about it uh you're letting them win by i don't think i am i I mean it doesn't affect it doesn't affect my paycheck or how i go about my day um but i want people to be aware of it Uh, i want people to be aware of it on the off chance somebody starts passing something off to them uh, and they go hold on a second you know he i don't know about that and at least either ask me about it via email or even a burner or whatever, or perhaps give me the benefit of the doubt or give the show the benefit of the doubt, whatever the case might be. Um, it's it To give an example, a recent example, um, contacting, well, when I'm contacted, saying to um, somebody who it got to a point where it was so uncomfortable, and I've never met this person because some of these people I've met, um, which is also, you know, awkward, um, as you might imagine. <laughs> um like coming to events, but like have hate, uh, that, um, I said, listen, you, I, this, this, I, I have to ask you politely to stop cause it's, it's making me uncomfortable. And if you don't, then I'm going to have to take another step. Um, and, and by then that's not like I'm going to like call the IRA. I'm that, that, you know, like we'll have to contact the authorities which I've unfortunately had do multiple times. And so I think what, and I get it because as this gentleman, not caller Adam says, if you haven't experienced it, how can you possibly know? But for me, it's my experience and we're, we're therefore existing in two different worlds. Um, and I call attention to it because I'm concerned about it. I'm concerned something could happen. And that might sound really sad, I guess it should, but it does concern me. So um, it's it, so I think when people think it's like oh like the like the shit will get texted on the show. That's not it. I'm not thinking about that at all. That's not that because that's part of the show. That's like a roast. Everybody gets lit up on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not people on the fan page who dislike me. That's not it. So if that's what you're thinking, that's not it. It's 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 private. Um, communication where you go okay this person it's one thing to hate but you're listening to everything and then like dissecting it and then and i'm going okay that's the as as far as what the question is why how did it get there that's what i'm asking and so if these people are under the impression that i did something that has 
you know, again, Jackson, we talked about it, I think it was last week's show, thinking that something happened that I did, and that is why they are mad, that's what I'm asking for. So I realize those people who send those kinds of messages are not going to communicate the, the you know, honestly or truthfully, because it's that's not what the goal is in those communications. But perhaps somebody who doesn't operate that way would know and say, yeah, I mean, I know a group of us listen to the show and we talk about it, and we are under the impression that this happened, but you did it, and are you saying that that might not be? The, and that's what I'm thinking. That's that's what I think is at the root of it. That's what I think is at the root of it. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You know, a few people have suggested what not Caller Adam just did, which was um, there is, you know, I do make myself accessible. I don't really know any other way of doing it. I've done this going back to when I was in Little Rock uh, with my team McKernan at Hotmail.com. Uh, Buddy Bates, who was in the who's the Cardinal clubhouse guy for years with the Cardinals used to see me when I was down at the ballpark doing TV, go team McKernan at hotmail.com. Cause he would hear me give up my email address and he thought it was funny, but I always wanted to be as accessible as possible just because I wanted, if anybody had a question or a criticism or a comment or a suggestion that they knew that they could reach out to me. Not that that meant we were now going to hang out, but you know, it's I'm, I'm representing this constituency and I therefore feel it's, you know, part of the deals to be in communication with the constituents is the way I would describe it. Um, so that's that's the backstory on it. Um, Jackson, any other uh, thoughts? I know you talked about it yesterday. I don't know if we were talking about it after we got done because I know we talked for like 10 minutes after we got done about it because I didn't realize that you even, I thought you might just tune out when I would go off on <laughs> these uh, tangents, but you actually share my opinion on this. Yeah, I think I think most of it is misconstrued and people thinking that like, it's it's your show and you control everything the goings on behind the scenes which is not the case um so yeah people just have a misconception and i do think part of it is you make yourself very accessible um and invite it but it's not like i'm not faulting you for that either it's just like people feel that they need to yeah and the hate listening is a super real thing um people do that shit not even just for the morning after, just for a bunch of different things. Hate watching, love, hate I, listening. I, Jen, yeah, if you take the morning after out of it, I wonder what the psychology of that is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, and I, and it, Even if I didn't even do this stuff for a living, what the psychology of, you know, like I'm not going to like go, okay, well, I can't stand what Tucker Carlson has to say, so I'm going to dig in and watch this tonight. You know, I, I, like how does that, how do we get, how does that, I wonder what what that is. I think part of it comes from somehow validating your high ground, either morally or opinion-wise, especially when it comes to politics. You know, you hate watch something to be like, oh, I feel very validated about how I feel, about my mm -hmm. opinions on things. I think that's part of it. Um, I think people do it to, like, stay informed. Like, oh, did you hear what this person said yesterday? Like, you hear how ridiculous it is. Like, if you think it's so ridiculous, why are you watching or listening to it um but yeah that's a it's a super real thing across a bunch of different platforms i personally don't do it i watch or listen to things i enjoy i wouldn't do, watch or listen to something i dislike purely for the purpose of telling people why i hate it it's pretty you know 
you don't like something, you don't like it. You're not going to change your opinion. You're not going to change yeah, I, and I wonder if in 2021 it goes on as much because you have so many other options. Like, I get it as much as it wasn't pleasant. When we started out with the Morning Grind in 2004, you're used to a certain style of show mm-hmm. in that time slot on KFNS, which is essentially you know what sports talk radio was, and I guess to an extent still is, which is the host would talk sports, only sports, uh, usually be cheering for the home team and interview, you know, basically beat writers. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and and we didn't do that, and it was certainly a different kind of show. It was way more conservative um, then than I would say it is now, but it was different. And in St. Louis, change is met with greater resistance than I think other top 25 markets. That's totally subjective with zero research, so let me make sure I make that clear. And... Um, and they nearly got rid of us within a month in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- but I understand it because it was a drastic change. Now, if you're hate listening, you have to seek it out. And on top of it, if you want hardcore sports, there are places you can get it, whether it be a podcast or 101 ESPN or whatever. Um, and that's what I, I believe anyway. That's what the, the, that they're doing. I'm on at the same time, so I don't know. But... Um, so I don't know if it goes on. This is intense. Again, it's one thing to not like somebody's opinion. This is this is at a different level, and I don't know. I don't know. So that that's that's the root of it. Um, I appreciate people sending in their their uh, their theories on it. I, I guess and nobody sent in. Okay, I do hate you, and because I guess it's just not going to happen. I've asked for it at this point like ten times. It's not going to happen. Um, but the theories may make sense. Um, let's see. Tim, you've talked a lot about the regular season in the NHL and in the NHL and Major League Baseball. You've talked about your personal issues with both leagues. You're the commissioner in charge of both leagues. What changes do you make to the games in regular season to increase fan excitement and engagement while still keeping revenues heading in the right direction? Um, it's a good question. Um, the, the issue is is what I like would reduce revenues. So you put that disclaimer on it, and it would reduce revenues because I don't like that all of these teams get into the postseason. Mm-hmm. So that's the issue. So I would actually say, well, if I'm the commissioner and my responsibility is to grow the bottom line, I would increase the postseason because the more postseason you have, the more dollars you have. But yeah. the regular season is is bordering on irrelevant in the NHL blasphemy for the hardcore hockey guy i felt that way since the 1980s i still feel that way in 2021 and the blues winning the stanley cup were easily the two most exciting months of my life as a sports fan and i don't even know what would be second um i guess maybe the cardinals when you include september of 2011 and um october of 2011 Maybe Missouri football in 2007, Missouri football 2013. But again, that's once a week. The Rams 99, um, it's once a week. The Blues every other night. My premise being I love postseason hockey. I love postseason hockey. It is my favorite. I, I It's the only time I will watch. Well, I shouldn't say that. I do it with the NFL and college football. But if, like, the, you know, Cleveland baseball team is playing the Yankees in the ALCS. I'm not watching. It, no. And it doesn't need to be those two. I don't care. It doesn't matter what team. I'm just not interested. I'm not there. I can go back to 1982 and rattle off who was in the NLCS and the ALCS for every year. I would have a very tough time doing it if I had to go past 2019. 
Actually, I'm not even sure. I know the Cardinals played the Nationals, and the Nationals wound up playing the Astros. I don't know if the Astros played the Red Sox or the Yankees. I'm just assuming it was one of the two in 2019. I'm just, I'm just, it's just, it's a dissipating it, it, for me with the game. So it's, it's a game thing, but the reason the game is going where it's going is because the players obviously want to make money, as they should, by the way. This whole thing where we fault people for wanting to make money is bizarre world. <laughs> um, but I, that's, a, that's a separate topic. And so what do they do? Well, they, they throw as hard as they can. Their arms get hurt, but they throw as hard as they can. And so, you know, you have the, the walk, the strikeout, the home run option what did i why did i fall in love with baseball well when did i fall in love with baseball the 1980s what was going on in the 1980s base running base hits the cardinals didn't hit home runs um i loved it now it's not to say i didn't enjoy 2011 or even 2019 but it's just not where i just it's just not the game that i personally grew up and fell in love with and i'm not looking for them to change it for them it's working and good for them but for me i i'm that doesn't mean i'm obligated to talk about how i love it I also loved the fact that if you won your division, you were in the Final Four. This is this is before '94. Here we're talking. This mm-hmm. is the that the Cardinals were in the National League East with the Mets. That was their big rival, but the Phillies and the Pirates and the Expos. And I feel like I might be missing another team, but that's um, that's that's all oh, the Cubs, of course. Um, and so that's that's what I liked. But, I mean, you know, my dad grew up with, if you won the National League, you were in the World Series. Yeah. So I don't, li- I don't care for interleague play. I think that played a role in killing the All-Star game. I think it also decreases the excitement of the World Series in the sense that, damn, you're going to get a chance to see the Cardinals play the Red Sox. They never play each other. They haven't played each other since, you know, 67. Um, and before that, it was, what, 46 or whatever the hell it was. Um, th- this... That, but that that's me and that's that's how sometimes you go i liked it better then and then it becomes oh you're old and you want to whatever i mean if that's what somebody wants to say they're welcome to it i'm not saying to change it i'm just saying that's what i liked i liked the stolen base we haven't seen the stolen base for a long time so if you have pitchers all throwing in the upper 90s it's going to be tougher to hit the ball and so you have you know a lot of the strikeouts and the walks and you know, it's just not, it just doesn't do it for me like it did. Mm-hmm. I realize the Cardinals have Nolan Arenado. I am certainly more inclined to watch Cardinal games now than I was um, before they got him. But it's just, for me, when it's like, okay, they got, like, they got in the playoffs last year, and I could not have cared any less when they were beaten by the Padres. And it technically went to a quote unquote game seven. It was a game three, but nonetheless, it was a winner. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. I mean, they're not good anyway, and they're in the playoffs. This is like Mizzou playing in Shreveport. It's just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. It it just that's now that's me. I'm not saying you should feel this way and, and give takes. I'm telling you my personal experience, uh, and I hate that baseball is going in that direction. But if, if you say if you take out the while still keeping revenues heading in the right direction, well, then that's what I would do. I would reduce the number of playoff teams. I would reduce the number of playoff teams. I would get rid of interleague play. This is what I would do. And it might be met with uh, less approval, but that's what I would do. I don't know what you can do to bring back the stolen base. Again, my preference. I don't know if it'll happen again, Um, but I loved that. 
loved it. So that's – and I don't know if it would win. I mean, when you talk to guys like Ozzie Smith, who are part of those teams who won with stolen bases, they, they're just like, yeah, that's not happening anymore. People want to see home runs. You know, it's kind of like the guys saying, oh, I wish they'd roll back the golf ball. Well, I mean, do you really want to see guys shooting, you know, two under as a, and just struggling to, to par a hole? Or, you know, I don't know. I mean, I kind of do. But if I'm in the minority, I'm in the minority. But the question was directed to what I would do. With the NHL, I would love to see reduction in teams and playoffs, as much as I love the playoffs. Um, but at the same time, again, that would impact revenue. And for the NHL, that's really everything. I mean, it's a two-and-a-half-month season. And I do love it. It just it mitigates the value or a substantial amount of the value of the 82-game season. That's been the case forever. So, And then you get in, and you can be the eighth seed, and you can win the cup. You know, at least with the NBA, blasphemy in St. Louis to compliment <laughs> the NBA, um, that the eight seed isn't going anywhere. You still yeah. circle the Nuggets beating the Sonics in the early 90s and going, well, remember that? I mean, it's, you know, it, can you even remember, you know, a significant eight beating a one outside of the Sharks and pay attention Roman in 2000? It's it's almost like it can happen so often that you don't even think of anything about it. So that's the issue there. Um, college, I think it's why I'm like that with college basketball now. And yet I'm more into college football. College basketball. I mean, okay, Missouri is not playing well, I guess. If they get in the NCAA tournament, then they got a chance. It doesn't seem like right now it's a great chance, but at least they got a chance. The regular season, for me, it just doesn't do If I feel like I'm watching exhibition games, my emotions have exhibition game Mm-hmm. quality yeah and that's that to me is the core issue but i get i'm so i'm not complaining about the leagues doing it their responsibility is to make as much money as possible it's business so i'm not mad about it it just diminishes the value of the regular season and that for me is is the core issue so it's a great question i don't really have a solution when you include while still keeping revenues heading in the right direction i don't have an answer to it i'd be i'd be curious what people have i, I truly would legitimately be curious what people have on it uh the home loan expert.com james carlton carltoninsurance.net uh seth goldcamp design air heating and cooling design air service.com uh jim rogers of restoration one and his brand new business, which we are very happy to see that he has uh, acquired, uh, and that is American Environmental. Uh, Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson with Munganast, and Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies, making this podcast possible. Any questions, any thoughts you have, you are always welcome to send them in at tmckernan at insidestl.com, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at insidestl. Dot com. Questions from the audience, comments, erotic stories, whatever you have, please don't hesitate to send them in. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of Questions from the Audience on The Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. And right now you can save when you shop your faves. Just buy six or more participating sale items and save 50 cents each with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Peloton, let's go. 
this holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.